Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Peace family is 19 Keys with the 19 Keys podcast. You're listening to a high level conversation. Tap in. Make sure you text 323-577-6692, man, so you can stay tapped into my updates. We got a lot going on behind the scenes that we're going to be pulling from. Um, and I see the family is coming in here, and I'm also going to have my brother, Blue Pillar 44, as we go tap in, and we're going to break down some high-level conversations and observations about this particular um, election, um, some of the synchronicities, the truth, the plan, the mindset, the business, everything that goes into it. Alaikum Salaam. <clears throat> All right. All right. So we're going to drop that there, and we are good to go. All right, first of all, peace family, how you doing? Assalamu alaikum. <clears throat> Salam to all of those around the world that's tapping in. Um, and right now, we're figuring out what is the course of this country, what is the course for your family, what is the course for the next four years and beyond. Um, one thing that I want you all to understand is that what we're talking about is regardless who wins the presidency, what we must do, the mindset, the plan, and the truth, Right? And what are some of the business opportunities that exist during this time? Because every time something happens, there is an opportunity. Um, you don't have to sign up for anything, but when you text wealth, it will give you um, a link to the wealth standard if you want to jump in after listening to this live and what we got to say today. Yes, a selection, an election, you know, it is the continued erection of white patriarchal status so that they can continue to have power. <clears throat> now, what I want to start with here, we want to go through a little history before we get to this point of conversation. My good brother, Blue Pillar 44, who is an advocate of high-level observations when it comes to synchronistic understandings of numerology and through time, through space, throughout the history of America, right? Um, what I see as a reoccurring thing that happens during the political season is the shift in blames, um, America was not founded by black men. America was not founded by black women, right? But unfortunately, we get blamed for the fuck-ups and the mishaps that happen in America, even though they are not by our doing. But yet, we are sent to come save white supremacy, right? So that they can remain in power. Not to disrupt it. Not so that we can get some super effective way of producing an outcome for future generations to build wealth they're asking us to save white America once again. And when those who put the cape on to cap for white America, right, feels that they've, they, they, they've jumped into their position, they found themselves with position and influence, and they feel good, and their heart is sometimes in the right place. And if anybody else doesn't feel like they need to save America while simultaneously liberating their people in somehow, right, then you become outcasted, right? 
I've seen people make fun of people for not having enough political science background, yet living in America gives everybody a good enough political background to understand the reality of America. And one thing that all people in America understand is that this is all about white rulership and white supremacy. The patriarchal system, the patriot system are all the exact same things. So when we look at the history of this, let's go back to something that is very similar to what we're dealing with today. 1876, you had Rutherford B. Hayes, right? Now, Rutherford B. Hayes lost the popular vote. There was 20 votes left, right, for him to be able to win. Now, there was a compromise of 1877, right? That was 144 years ago, right? And he was the 19th president. Y'all know I'm 19 keys, so I'm always go break down these secrets. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said October 16th, 1995, anytime that one is next to the nine, there's something to be unfolded as he broke down the Masonic rituals of white America and how it always deals with the black body, right? Specifically the black man as well, because the secret of America is always dealing with the Masonic rituals that deal with black men and women. So let's break it down a little bit. So what was happening during that time? Post-Civil War, right, post-1865, Juneteenth, where black people were told that they were free, so-called, right, and given these so-called rights by the 14th Amendment, there was a reconstruction period in the South where blacks were getting these rights. Now, at the time, you had these Democrats. The Democratic Party, the sole reason that they were started was so that they can continue to empower white supremacy, the 100% sole reason, right? They had a group called the Redeemers. These were the ones that wanted to redeem the steam of the South, wanted to redeem white supremacy. They were so mad, right, that blacks have um, gotten their so-called freedoms. So during that time, um, you had black Republicans, right, with wealth, with actual political power and some status. And some of them, you had black voters over there at that time because white folks didn't figure out a time at, at, at that point how to actually, um, they didn't figure out how to actually suppress the voting, right? It took them some time to get the science down and actually how to stop our vote from actually having real meaning and understanding how to, you know, set up certain systems in these cities to make sure that black people are always curtailed away from real power. But at the time, what you had was you had white folks, right? These redeemers, these um, these political devils, right? These democrats, democrats, literally. So what they did is they said, "No, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that they that 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 black folks stay at the bottom. That we have some economic justice that comes to us from. Of course, we just lost our once slaves, so we got to figure this thing out now." The Republicans, some of them were sons of abolitionists, so-called their reputation was, and civil rights leaders, right? We even know the NAACP was started by white folks. Now, my great aunt was the first black woman on the board of the NAACP, but she was not the first woman on the board of the NAACP. There was actually a white woman before there was a black woman in the NAACP because it was founded by white men and women. Matter of fact, the only black person that was on the board of the NAACP at that time was W.E.B. Du Bois, and he was uh, uh, followed by nothing but whites, right? So the civil rights movement have already been owned by white folks this whole entire time, right? So here's the danger within that. When they were going into the, uh, as they were in the, um, the, we was dealing with the Republicans, right? These particular Republicans, 
Uh, some of them were seen as radicals, right? They did want to, some of them wanted to disrupt this whole system. That the idea of women's rights, voter rights by the 19th Amendment, right, that came from voter rights for women, that came from the Republican Party, right? Um, and the rights for different blacks and things of that nature in America, all of that was coming from the Republican Party post-1964 at the Juneteenth, right, the Civil Rights Act. Now, when we go back to 1876 and we understand what was happening 144 years ago, Rita Ford behaves. Now, there was a lot of tension in the streets. There were two polarizing figures going at it the same way we have polarizing figures today with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Right. The streets were right with blood. You got these radical Republicans and then you got these no good Democrats. Right. So they called the Republicans back in those days in the South. They called them carpetbaggers. Right. Because they said that these were the people that came after the Civil War. Right. After some of the some a very small percentage of the racism had subsided and black folks were getting rights during this Reconstruction period of the South. They called them carpetbaggers because it was their way of. They call them carpetbaggers and scallywags, what a lot of people don't know. That term scallywag came from those Democrats that were on the side of black folks back in those days in the South. So these Democrats decided to come to the South, right, during this Reconstruction period. Now, carpetbaggers was their way of talking about their dirty, cheap luggage, which is why they called them carpetbaggers, because they made their way to the South. Now, this is important because during... Um, um, the particular proposal of 1877, which was basically their way of saying that, listen, we're going to let you get this election, right? We're going to let it be a Republican House right now. You understand me? But y'all got to give us the South, right? Not only do y'all got to give us the South, that's the end of the Reconstruction period. We're also going to be rescinding rights that black folks were having in the South, Black families and things of that nature. So it disenfranchised black voters, right? It suppressed black voters. More importantly, it suppressed black men through legislature that was given to them at that time, right? So now the black Republicans felt betrayed, right? Because here they are in the South, they're working with the Republicans, but then they just gave up all of the blacks in the South, right? So now these white folks coming over there messing with them without interruption, Right. So basically what they allowed them to do, just come in there, rape and pillage the village if we was back in Viking times. Right. And they said, OK, as long as we got our power, we will give blacks a little bit. They still go rock with us, even though we just sold them out. And, and, and a point in that is to understand that during all of these negotiations. Right. Regardless of what side we own, we're always the pawn. We're always the bargaining chip. Right. So they treat us as such. Somebody made a good um analogy earlier observation that says you know what we love voting but we didn't vote ourselves we, we never voted for the right to vote right that the rights that we got didn't actually come from voting itself right because we're not engaged in a democratic system matter of fact those people who at the top make sure that because they got all the money they want to make sure regardless of how many poor people in the world it is this never becomes a system where poor people can vote the rich people out their class that would just make too much sense. And then if that was the case, then poor people would only vote for policies that best benefited them so that they can rise up. We would have to think about this, right? So here we are in America, black people in America before 1964, right? You had John F. Kennedy, right? Chickens come home to roost. We all know the famous Malcolm X when he spoke out of turn and he said that, right? But what he didn't realize is that that was one of the presidents that was the most disruptive president out of the Democratic chain. Right now, John F. Kennedy 
was a wild boy. You understand me? He had a whole different disruptive consciousness that he came in there with, which is the reason they had to get that boy killed. The Democrats was like, no, nah, our Democratic Party represents white supremacy, not civil rights. Now, he introduced the bills of civil rights, but of course it was struck down in Congress. So what ended up happening, his successor, I forget his name, he's not really that important. He was the one that enacted the bill in on the death, the pandemic, the, the catastrophe of his death, right? And so what ended up happening, there was Republicans that actually backed that more than there was Democrats that backed that during that time, right? So this is what happened. White folks got mad. They felt betrayed by the Democratic Party. They said, God damn, you go get these Negroes some rights? So... Yeah, I know, I know. Don't worry about his name. They don't, his name don't need to be spoken. You can't give everybody that power, right? Um, so he said, wait a minute. You going to give these, these black folks these rights? No. So the Democrats said, you know what we doing? We switching over to Republican. Why? Because the brand of Democrats, right, were the ones who basically took credit for the Civil Rights Act. But this is what you don't understand. The ideology of the Democrats has always been white supremacy. So the actions of one man through one bill is was one big deciding factor on why a lot of white folks switched over to Republicans and black folks seen themselves as Democrats, right? But before that, a lot of black folks, including my aunt, who was um, the first black woman to run for, I believe it was a state senate or Congress, whatever, state senate, I believe, in the state of Missouri, she started off in a progressive party. So black people wasn't deciding to just be Republican or Democrat. They was going with progressive and a bunch of different things. But after 1964, people felt like, wait a minute now. They gave us civil rights. We owe them, right? But the ideology behind it did not change, just the brand. So when you had a lot of the white supremacists that shifted over to Republicans, now, of course, that is why the reason that a lot of Republicans had to, of course, now acquiesce to the constituency that they newly have. So, of course, if your base is white supremacists that switched over, then, of course, you got to do things to make sure that this base is satisfied so they continue to vote for you. Right. So they swung over to the other side. Now, when we think about uh, 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 um, this as we move forward in America and we see black people saying I'm a proud Democrat or I'm a proud Republican. You have to understand that both parties, the same way we talk about the police department, how it started off as slave catchers. That means that what we're doing is we're looking at the root of something and saying by the very root of it, it can never be good. So how come we don't take that same analogy when it comes to looking at the root of Democrats? And how come we don't say that same analogy when it comes to looking at the history of Republicans? Now, this is one thing that we also have to understand. Black people, by nature, we are very conservative people. This is what you have to understand, right? The black Republican is more conservative because if you see proponents, right? I don't agree with a lot of these black Republicans where they be capping for, for Trump. They be on that man, you know, sack way too hard, way too hard. They act like he can do no wrong, that he's the good king, right? But they do have some conservative viewpoints, that are aligned with the construction of black family. Because you have to remember, it was the Democratic Party that is responsible for most of the legislation that destroyed the black family. In the South? You're talking about the, 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 the 80s crime bill and the 90s crime bill? Democrats, 
they found a way to be a Trojan horse. The Trojan horse was the story of civil rights while still pushing the ideology and legislation of white supremacy. Right? So here we are confused as black people saying that, wait a minute, aren't the Democrats for us? Aren't the Republicans for us? And the one issue that we've had is that we've taken a side. Imagine that. You took a side in a house of one house, two white supremacist houses. One is painted blue, one is painted red. And we think because one has a favorable color, we should go with that one. But you have to understand that both houses were built for white supremacy. That's the white house built by slaves. Right? So when we're thinking about, okay, what do we do? Well, our economic position and our plans and our strategies remain the same regardless of who is in the house. And this is where we have to start stop taking sides, right? And everybody has to renounce and rescind them saying that they're Democrats or them saying that they're Republicans if you consider yourself to meet the standard of what it means to truly be black. Our ancestors didn't die for us to be Democrats or Republicans. They, a lot of them fought and were murdered. When we talk about die, we acting like somebody just died in a bed, right? And they just fell out of the sky. No, white supremacists, white folks, good old white folks killed them, murdered them only because they wanted to breathe the same air as those so-called good old white folks, right? We wanted some of the same opportunities afforded to us and our children as those saying good old white folks. And I go back to my aunt because I've been doing some studying on my own history. Now, my aunt had a very beautiful history. I found out that my great-grandfather was a real estate agent. In those times, he was actually able to raise $100,000 in capital so that he can start, you know, funding some of his real estate deals. Now, what he did do is he sold a house to this particular uh, family named the Shelleys. Now, during that time, they had these racist covenants that were made that went against the 14th Amendment. Right. That was basically saying that blacks can't be in certain neighborhoods, can't buy this, that or the third, a bunch of different things. So what he decided to do is take his paper and his profit and he decided to fund this case where they were trying to kick out this family that he didn't sold this unit to this house to. And because his daughter was a lawyer, she was a part of the actual case. Right. And he funded this Supreme Court case. Right. To where it actually set case presidents went all the way to the Supreme Court and won in their favor. Right. Where businesses. Right. And homes could no longer come under these racist covenants to where we supposed to be able to buy what we want, create businesses where the hell we want to. And so I'm I'm in the history. Right. Our family is in the history of understanding. Right. Civil rights, understanding, funding our own uh, uh, equity versus equality, because if he didn't have that money, he couldn't have sent his daughter to law school. Right. And he couldn't have fund none of those cases. So by all means, he was a revolutionary. Right. This is a very famous case throughout time. And I was looking at um, an interview from my aunt. Now, my aunt, beautiful, brave, smart woman. Right. Now, I'm listening to this interview and they asking her what needs to be done next. And she started breaking down because I'm listening. I say, what what what's going on, God? I'm listening. I'm like, I wonder what. I wonder, please God, I wonder what my great aunt go say as the answer to this question. What do black people need to do? And she sat there and she gave a beautiful answer and said that is ownership. Oh, I was so proud at that moment. I burned some ancestor money. 
You understand me? I had to go give her a couple of dollars. You understand me for that? Because I understand where that comes from in my bloodline. That she answered that question exactly how I would have answered it. Because she comes from that bloodline. You understand me? What her father instilled in her, equity versus equality. Now, they were born where his first house that he had was an 11, uh, um, 11 bedroom home, right? They had maids, drivers. She said they was living good. This man was a real estate agent. You understand me? He had paper. He was funding Supreme Court cases and winning them in his favor. He was a revolutionary. His name was uh, James T. Bush. Or was it Robert Bush? I got to get it right. You understand Missouri, me? In Missouri. In Missouri. Yeah. So my aunt, Margaret Wilson, um, she and I was just explaining to them, she was the first black woman on the border of the NAACP, and she was a part of the case that set case precedents against racist covenants against real estate um, and businesses um, that stopped them from um, discriminating against Negroes and Mongoloids, right? And, of course, Negroes was the classification that white people separated to four races and four different classifications. Mongolians, what they called the Mongo Mongoloids or the Asians, South Pacific Asians, things of that nature. And those who came from Africa, of course, they considered them to be the Negroids and so on and so forth. Good. Race classification. Yes. So, so here we are today um, in 2020, confused as to why... Black folks are moving towards some, the Republican Party, and why, you know, we're looking at the voter turnout to where there was more white men that voted for Donald Trump in this race than it was in 2016. Some statistics saying that there was a large percentage of gay white men that voted for Donald Trump as well, or queer white men, whatever classification of letter that they come under um, in the LGBTQZIG, you know, chain of DNA. And then you also had, they said white women, of course, 50 percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. But of course, that's their man. Right. They, they they supposed to. That's their man. He looking out for the favorability of white women with the Proud Boys. Those are the same guys who looking out for white women. Right. So when we look at that, they have this they have this unity. Right. And see, we don't know how to look at the values or the virtues in between these things. Right. They have a sense of unity. One thing that I'm studying right now is European institution and the root of European institution and where it comes from and the way that they build. Back in the days, if you go into um, Wessex, right, um, and Wessington, you know, back in England, well, before it became modern day England, you know, they had to fight for that. They had to fight the Danes. They had to fight the Scots. They had to fight consistent war time and time again. They had no real periods of peace right so but during that time the king would make lords and they would give oath to this king right if you gave an oath and you swore that was as good as a contract but a lot of them had lit they, they, they were illiterate they couldn't uh read and write so they weren't making contracts at the time it took one intelligent man out of a million white folks that came around and knew how to write and then he started writing the stories he started teaching some of the noblemen and people who were part of his family how to write because for the most part most people in the villages around couldn't read or write they could only speak the language so when you talk about contracts and you're talking about oaths that's what or you're talking about oaths and, and, and words and swearing that's what became the modern day contracts that we know of today there was the kings who decided to say, 
word is your bond. Right? Yeah, your word is your bond. You understand? And later on, you know, it, it, it would, they would be like, oh, a handshake is sufficient. You right. Before they had actual contractual, you know, documents that are drawn up and drafted is your word. Factories. And, and, and then, of course, that wasn't enough because what they realized is that as long as there's a king, right, there will be no peace. Right. That we're always going to be fighting so that this particular family will have established rule and power. But what came out of the ideology and the institutions, right, from the Vikings, the Dane, the Scots, the Brits, right, all of those white folks during that time is you had a few brilliant men out of a million that comes around and they make a change. They start writing things down. They started deciding that, wait a minute, let's create systems. Right. Instead of us fighting for these things consistently every time there's a new power, how about I find ways to consolidate my power so that it can last longer? So then you start finding people that are creating these tenant systems. You know what? I need everybody to survey the land. I need to know how far my land stretch so I know exactly where my power is. Right. And anybody that comes on my land, you are now property of my land. Right. Whether you know it or not, but you have rights as property and you have certain rights on this land. Some people have more rights than other. But let's write that down. Let's make sure that this person comes under the contract and know that he's a tenant, but he doesn't own the land. He will never have a loyal title like a king that owns the entirety of the land. No restrictions whatsoever. He comes under a fee simple, right? That he still comes under the jurisdiction of the guard. He still has to pay taxes. But beyond that, hey, do what you want to do, right? And coming under that jurisdiction of the guard means that you have to follow the laws of the king still. So if you do something beyond the king, I can hang this man or I can have him beheaded for not following my law, even though that's his land. Right. right. So the king decided to make these concepts because he wanted to live beyond his reign. Right. Because a lot of those white men had short lives. They was eating salmonella food. They was dirty. They didn't know how to live long. So you understand me? They was trying to make kids so that they could continue to grow. And then they indoctrinated their kids with their ideologies. So whatever they've added to the world will continue to persist on even if there's another king. And they will be written in history as it is today. And we get to listen and learn about these fools. But I say all of that to say this. Um, 1776, right? That was the Constitution? Yeah. Right? Um, seventeen seventy six, which would make that what two hundred forty four years ago. So here we are in two thousand and twenty, right? And two hundred forty four years ago, white men decide to trap themselves in a room together. Uh, white men who were the smartest ones amongst them, right? The generals amongst them, who carried the ideologies of families from European culture and institutions, and decided to say. Let's bring together all of our brilliance and let's make a contract with each other that the people would have to adhere to. Right. And, and yeah, let's utilize this template that we got, of course, from the Iroquois Confederacy. So there you had you know, factories to say, oh, you know, now they're merging their concept of allocating land and quote unquote owning land or lording over land with the people who previously said we have no rights to the land, we don't own the land, we're just custodians of it. So they was obviously able to see how are we gonna get in here and manipulate that arrangement. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, please, please. And so during the manipulation of that arrangement, 
right? Some people say that there was no brilliance. I disagree. By the very fact that we're living under their construct and constitution shows you that it was beyond brilliant. It was one of the greatest pieces of paper ever written, right? Um, so I'm never going to be a person that just because these are white men, I'm going to down what was done because the result is evident, right? Whether it was fair, whether it was righteous, all of the, the virtue of it, you can argue with, you can debate. But the reality of it is shit was brilliant. Very brilliant. It was, it was brilliant and it should serve as a testament to everybody, the importance of contracts, of paperwork. Because we can't conceive how can a piece of paper have such a domineering and quote-unquote dominant effect on the world over this is the longest last standing piece of, of legal document considered a constitution that exists in the world. Factories. So, and, now go ahead, God. No, I'm just saying, you know, and the way that that particular piece of document was structured and the way that it's even activated is you really had to be a property, quote unquote, owner for it even to be applying to you. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. So, you know, yesterday we, we look at the results and we see that the country is split on ideology, but the country is also split on understanding about what it means to actually be a citizen in this country and to enforce that binding document that allegedly supposedly supposed to work for you. You've seen Europeans voting with their interests, Thanks. Right? their interests for security. You saw melanated people voting with their insecurities. And they don't have no physical interest invested in said country. You know what I'm saying? Because the conversation is not about home ownership. The conversation is not about, you know, utilizing your vote so, you know, you can put yourself in a position to own anything. And, and the country is for sale. It, it is, right? So when we get up to this constitution, we ask ourselves a few questions. When, when we look back, at um, the beginning of, let's say, Wessington or, or Wessex, right? Um, and, and, and we look at how that came about, right? 9-11, there was a particular family. The year 9-11, there was a particular family who had a particular institution and ideology that they wanted to carry on throughout time. They wanted to make the united England. They were tired of having all of these separate kingdoms. They were tired of having separate rulers. They wanted to bring everything together the same way in America... The founding fathers did what? They wanted to bring everything under the United States. So they had a civil war. It wasn't about freeing us. It was about consolidating the power under one rule. And so when we look at that, the and, 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 and I was studying, and, and it's funny, I found so many 19s in this. I was studying um, the last time that there was a Wessex Lord, and it was June 19, 1999, right? First time it was on the 19th as well. But it was about three different times in history. But to that point, though, these are systems that's been for over 100 years, right? Now, during that particular constitution, I like to say this fact is that none of us was there for the signing of it. None of us had any input on what would be the laws, what would be the amendments, right? None of us had any input whatsoever on this particular constitution. Yet, even though we didn't sign it, even though we weren't privy to that contract, we are held to the laws and bound to the contract that was signed by these white men. Now, why is that? So when we ask ourselves, the only way that that would seem to be 
um, possible is if somehow we come under the jurisdiction of these white men, right? That what they signed in law, right, affected us and our, our parents and, 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 uh, and our foreparent and our ancestors on throughout time, that we must be their property. And whatever they signed to come under that jurisdiction. So here we are in America under the jurisdiction and the property of these founding fathers. So what they signed and what they agreed to, now we are socially contracted to still come under that same system and institution. But the brilliance of it is this. These white folks, hundreds of years ago, decided to say, you know what? We're going to create a system. There's one white man, number one. It wasn't a, you have to understand, there wasn't too many councils of brilliant white men in England during that time. They had their councils of their, their lords around them. Oftentimes it was priests and things of that nature who were the ones who would get in their ear and give them advice, right? But it wasn't like today where they had a Congress, per se, even though sometimes they would have these things called wittens and they would bring them to court and things of that nature. But there was usually the king that came up with this concept, or at least he took credit for it, right? We never know who was really the one in history, but the one who had the power writes the stories. You were always the hero in your own tale. So when we looked at that, he said one person came up with an idea and it was so brilliant and white folks are not that clever. And they said, damn, that's a good idea. Let's follow that. Let's use that. As long as if that works, we go keep pushing it. So when we look at history and because white men and white supremacy isn't that clever, they recycle the intellect that comes from a patriarchal system. So it's easy to tell what's going to happen because you're not looking at innovative, bright, brilliant people. Remember, they had the slaves working for them and thinking for them. They created the patent system to steal ideas, not protect them. So when we look at what's going on today in America in 2020, the sons of the most brilliant thinkers and doers on the planet Earth are waiting for saviors when they don't need any saving. And if they would only get to this realization, right? They're saying that black men are supposed to be the new swing vote, right? What does that mean? Swing vote. What they're saying is we got some power, right? But instead of saying, hey, black man, y'all got some power, leverage that however the fuck y'all want to, right? No, they're putting the onus on us to say that what happens is our fault. See, the cleverness and all of this, even though that these institutions built by white supremacists, rapists, depraved, cavemen, savage devils who took the things that they were taught from original people only to use it in such a deceptive, uh, devilish manner. The best thing that ever happened to white folks was religion, right? But because before that, their heathenistic and paganist ways, even though they brung and Christianized a lot of that, that was the best thing that happened to them to civilize them in some sort of matter to believe in what? God. Because they first met God when he taught them how to bathe, when he taught them how to speak, how to write, how to do science, how to do politics, how to, stand, how to exchange right. and trade, how to stand upright. When they first met God, it was a black man, a black mind that came to them and shared the secrets of what it means to be human, what it means to stand up erect and be alive. It wasn't their woman. She didn't know she was on fours like them. It wasn't even the black woman. Right. She wasn't about to go in there and deal with them devils stinking and smelling. We weren't going to let our woman come up here and do that. It was the Moorish brothers. It was the original people. 
right? Everywhere they went, it wasn't just the Moors. It was everywhere they went that they met original people. They learned, they stole, they taught, right? So that's the thing that you have to understand is that white men know the value of black men because we taught them everything. So they said, God damn it, we don't want to go to a place on this planet Earth where there ain't no black men. This is our God, his body, his mind. We can never be like him, right? The construct and the physicality of his body is unmatched. The spiritual rhythm, the mind, the thoughts, the ideas. He has something that we can never possess. So they are obsessed about it. So they ritualize ways to try to cipher some of the power from that black body so that they can have power, which is the reason they wreck these particular. Go, go look in Washington, the Washington Monument. It's a white phallus symbol, but the original symbol of that phallusness came from the black man. Right? That ain't how the white man built. We built like that. You know what I'm talking about? So when we look at the reality of America, unfortunately, and people that get caught into the politics, you're lost into a world that wasn't built by you. You're blaming people who didn't create the problem. Right? And I'm going to let you speak on this. Why is it that I've seen some brothers saying, uh, talking about the first thing that Biden should do, right? In the first 24 hours or, or 24 days, whatever it may be. And they said, you know what? First thing he got to do is he has to fix what he did. And I think it's the 86 crime bill, right? Uh, and the 94. It was two of them. It was one that predated that one. This man been messing with us for a long time. It, that wasn't his first go around. That's what people don't even understand. Wasn't his first go around. So they said the first thing he got to do is he got to fix those. And then I said, God damn. So we about to elect this man so that he can save us from the very things that enslaved us. He did it. So we have this mentality to where we need our masters to free us. But I like the shirt that Killer Mike has with Run the Jewels, man. He said, kill your masters. That's what I believe in. 2021 is about killing your master, right? And I love what Buster Rhymes did, and he made the song Master for Ard Muhammad, right? Master Muhammad. He went door to door, right? Speaking to the people. He named over 25,000 people, and the way he did it was not, let me tell y'all what y'all need to know. Let me tell you who you are. No, he asked questions to find out what they were missing, right? So if we question black America and we say, what are we missing? Well, we're missing family. Uh, we're missing a true history. We know his story. We don't know our story. We're missing a real connection to our ancestors. We're missing a vision, a plan, right? We're missing real values. We, we're missing knowing who we are. We're missing the feeling of, of being owners and winners, right? And the breadwinners on this planet Earth. So then we would say, okay. Now we know what you're missing. Let us help provide that. Let us help preside over your own your affairs. So what do we do? The same way that they decided to take America, that is um, the Washingtons doing business as the United States of America and make it a corporation, we need to incorporate the diaspora, right, and preside over our own affairs and create contracts with each other. So that we can build righteously, so that regardless of who's president, we know what to do next. Yes, um, I want to say thank you. You know what I'm saying to the U.S. Corporation for this demonstration. 
You know what I'm saying? They came through in the clutch. Yes. They showed us. They showed they us. Everything that we've been saying, and they showed us everything that we need to know about this defunct corporation. It is, you know, the, the, the brand is damaged beyond repair. You know what I'm saying? And rightfully so. And they presented us with the opportunity to campaign from, from after their campaign is done, now our campaign can begin, right? To to get the what they call yesterday the exit polls when person go and vote, then they start doing uh, polling testing and finding out from the people how exactly do you feel? Why did you vote this way? What do you think about the country? What do you think about the direction? And these are the things that we need to know about the quote unquote people who fall under this banner that always want to task us with leadership. You know what I'm saying? All right, well, what exactly do you want from leadership? What exactly do you want people who have the ability, the resources, and the mindfulness to come up with these plans and execute them? You know, what do you see in terms of freedom, liberation? You know what I'm saying? Uh, for some people, it just might be comfort. For some people, they just might want to be better citizens. You mm. know what I'm saying? Better, better citizens as in property. Yes, sir. Better citizens as in property, right? Because... You know, what was proven with their exit polling, what was proven with the way that they're able to gauge their numbers is that white folks <laughs> are voting not necessarily along racial lines. They're voting with their interests intact because they're like, look, this person, this white man is going to provide us with the security necessary. Now, white women went this entire summer and sell and sold the wet ticket of feminism, the melanated woman and told them that this was about getting rid of patriarchy, right? Only to leave you abandoned at the polls, not voting for homie and the melanin female vice president, but they went and voted for Trump. White women are the worst. Right? They always play in that sleight of hand because they're always going to side with what they consider to be quote unquote security. Because right? it is security. Should. but. How does the Democrat Party secure the interests of melanated women in particular if their primary interest is not family? Right? They got women out there voting for their own personal self-interest out of insecurity, not out of security, though. Mm. So I want to say something on that, Blue. Yeah. Um, I was studying and I was looking at some of the founding fathers of the NAACP, right? Some of these white men and these white women that founded it. Um, and there's this white woman by the name of Mary White Ovington. And uh, she wrote this very interesting book. And it detailed the life of the Negro and observation in comparison to the life of uh, whites. Specifically in comparison white women and the hardship that they dealt with versus the life of black women. Now, her book... Is, is very interesting her observations now she considers herself to be one who wants to help the Don Trouton Negro right but she writes in this book as she details the life and she goes into specifically a black woman life in New York City and she starts to make comparisons based on the black woman at that time always worked more right um, and the type of work that she did was the type of work that kept her away from her household for longer Right. Yes. And so and, and, and when she did work, what they would do, she went into the financial structure and set up a household that when she came back, she would bring the money back 
And they will put all of the money into a pot. The black man and the black woman, they will put it into a pot. And they will divide it based on the needs of what that family was, right? Um, and so the man or the woman, depending on who was, you know, setting up the household structure, would decide, okay, we're going to create allowances for what you need, right? Some clothing, right? But that's after everything was taken care of. Uh, and, of course, that's <clears throat> the married woman. And if they had children during those days, those children would go and work a job and they would bring back, right, their uh, 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 um, paper to the family pot once again. This was the family structure back in those days. And it was important because she started breaking down the understanding of how that started to change. And she started to compare that to what white women were going through. And basically explaining how these are two incomparable situations completely. This black woman, when she's a mother, right, in her prime years, doesn't have that much time to rear her children. While the white woman, for more so, is staying at home, right, uh, 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 and spending a lot of time with her children, right? And so this white woman is out in the world, usually working for white folks or something, around all of this energy that she's bringing back. But because during that time, um, the family structure was so strong with the black men and women, this did not cause a rift for them, right? But there, she also explained how the relationship with the grandchildren was stronger because that's when the black woman had more time, right? That there was a sacrifice with her own children because she had to work so much. But when it came to the grandchildren, she was so experienced, she could easily find work because of her experience, Right. And she would spend more time and have a better connection with those grandchildren than she had with her own children. A lot of times, just given the amount of hours that she wasn't that she was forced to work. The white woman didn't have the same life growing up nowhere near as the black woman. Her rights that she fought for is nowhere near what the black woman was fighting for. The black woman was fighting for more time with her family. Right. The white woman was fighting for more time away from her family. Right. She wanted to go out there and work. She wanted to get away from this devil because she felt like he was depriving her of opportunities to go out there and, and, and be a man in the workplace. Right. And so the white woman being so manipulative. Right. And, and she, of course, creating this feminist movement. She brought the black woman in. Right. Because they always use us the same way the Republicans use black men and betrayed them. It's the same thing that happened with the feminist movement as they used black women and betrayed them, not realizing that as they're fighting for more power in their family, they're also fighting so that black women destroy their family because we have complete different values. As original people on this planet Earth, we don't have the same family structure. Right. So we can't go and fight for the same things. And the white woman has always been the greatest. Covert agent of white supremacy. Don't know why we allow her to be covert when it's obvious. But we put so much onus on the white man. We forgetting every single time he went back at the heat and spent all of that time lynching, murdering, burning black people, setting up all these corrupt laws. The white woman there rubbing his feet and making his uncooked meat who did he use as the scapegoat for these things i always mention this if we talk about emmett till if we talk about all if we talk about black wall street it's always a white woman who allegedly right has some sexual indiscretions towards her that the white man felt 
um, you know, the need and the necessity to defend her quote-unquote honor, not knowing that she might have been choosing all along, right? She's hella choosy. So the only thing that did change with integration is that melanated men no longer have to swing from branches to get them some white wife. Okay? Factories. That's what integration was. Because what else in terms of social structure has changed, right? We haven't moved forward one iota. The only thing that they're saying is that, look, because they know that integration was a thing, they're like, we're going to have to sacrifice a, a proportion of our women to get these people in the house so we can leech and do whatever we need to do it for them. So they have moved forward and integrated. We had to socially integrate. What is it of ours that, you know, became something that we offered up to them to make that exchange an even one? It never was. But we offered up our family. We offered up because we had to go to the north now to chase jobs. We had to go to the Midwest to chase jobs. All of this was about being able to sustain families. So we, 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 we leave a southern structure where we're able to have a household where, you know, the women got 11 and 12 children and she's at home and the father's in the field or he's out producing. But he was holding his own. You know what I'm saying? Facts. You go into the cities, you go into, you know, and now you can't. You know, you're in an apartment. Where are you going to put 12 children at? And then when it ends up in the projects and they sleeping on top of one another, you know what I'm saying? We clowning it. Mm. But because we live in a different dynamic post-COVID and in this new world, we no longer have to be relegated to city life. So people are, you know, in their feelings about, oh, there's a sudden migration. But this allows us to be autonomous. This allows us to restore family. Because the same thing, that the woman got into feminism and everything for, we're able to provide, you know what I'm saying, autonomously, if we bring it back to agriculture, if we bring it back to the South to build out, and we just focus on community, how would the woman activate, how would the family activate if the man is like, look, shit, I'm living rent-free. My mortgage is paid in five years as opposed to playing these 30-year redlining games in these cities. Why are we running in these cities mm. at this particular point? When the, the true industry and the true access to commerce, right, since people want to be citizens and people want to be foundational uh, Americans, then you got to get back to agriculture. You got to have a relationship with the land. Right. The land have to offer you because it's not in the factory. It's in the wealth standard. It's in the fact that we could be autonomous and have our people supporting themselves digitally. Right. And running down on different industries that we like doing physical commerce. Let's tackle agriculture. Let's learn how to feed our people our food with our vibrational frequency on it. We know what we like. Mm -hmm. Why are we playing these people's games? It's all voluntary at this point. Why are we letting them make our food when they can't cook? Why, why, why are we letting them make our food when they can't cook? <laughs> we know how unsanitary they are. And you shouldn't even be letting them prepare your food, let alone they're killing animals and giving that to you and you're eating that. From the hand of somebody who's filthy as they are, we can do better than that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that emphasis and that focus, that level of campaigning, explaining, you know, to the women, it's like, you don't got to play that game. You can finally come home and we can focus on building family back. Factory. You know, and that's the opportunity that the now represents. You know, the sun was glorious yesterday. There was a stillness out here. It was so peaceful. And I feel like the, the universe is responding that we have turned the curve. And, you know, it's probably going to take some time for the majority of people to catch it. But this thing is done. 
Like, yes. if that's all they can offer you, shame on them. Shame on them. They best you know is now they worse. They best is they worse. But again, you know, you can't fault white folks for voting for their security. That's what like, you're supposed to vote for. for. That's what you're supposed to vote for. The fact that we don't have interest, the fact that we don't, we are not able to vote for security because you don't know, well, where's your security coming from? They never told you that. They never promised that to you. They never laid that out. It's hypothetical. You're wishing on the stars. You're hoping that that's what comes with the deal. It was never guaranteed that. So what you also see is 50% of this country is dissatisfied with the quote-unquote potential leadership. Let's say that Biden does win. How is he going to rally and corral the 50% of unsatisfied quote-unquote countrymen or citizens nah. who are not willing to fall under weak leadership? Blue, it's more than that. The people that's voting for him are unsatisfied with him already. He's, he's probably going to have the lowest rating of any president as far as the disapproval of him as a person. Most people are voting. It has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Him as a person, they they don't like that man. Either voting because they like Trump or they don't like Trump. Biden's not even he's, he's not even a factor in this particularly. He's not even part of the conversation. He's just the funnel. The shit is running. He's just a way to not vote for Trump. That's he's all. Spillover. <laughs> but people are voting on two things: either I fuck with Trump or I don't. Right? Kamala and the Biden they, they just happenstance. They just happen to be there with the collection plate on the side, mm. catching the spillover. But it's not about them. It's about Trump on both ends. So, like, really take an analysis of what's taking place in this country, y'all. You feel me? Because just because somebody's quote-unquote president don't mean that the country's going to automatically fall under the reign and the direction of said president. Right? Trump could be like, oh, I'm out of office, shit, I'm starting my own thing. And, and, and then what? So let's look at this for a second. I think when we, th th this is the thing that I, I find interesting, right? When we look at history, oftentimes it's not told in a way that it empowers us, right? It's commercialized so that white America can sell it back to us and repackage it in a way that they can use to control us. So the 1919 Pan-African Congress, right? And I'm going to read this quick passage to y'all. So paragraph. It says, on December 1st, W.E.D. Du Bois sailed for France on a threefold mission to report on the Paris Peace Conference for the crisis, to collect material for the history of the black soldier in World War I, and to organize a Pan-African Congress. Tuskegee Principal Robert Moulton, his secretary Nathan Hunt, and reporter Lester Walton were also aboard the press ship Orizaba sent by the U.S. Congress to investigate the treatment of black troops. The history was never published. The Pan-African Congress convened in Paris February 19th, all right, to the 21st in 1919. Uh, its purpose was to unite black leaders worldwide to secure the interla uh, internationalization of former German colonies in Africa. The Congress adopted resolutions affirming the rights of Africans to participate in their own government and charging the League of Nations to protect these rights. These resolutions were presented at the peace conference. Now, how many people knew that? How many? We, we, we hear about Malcolm going to Congress, right? 
but we don't know when it happened in 1919, right? We, 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 we hear about the issues between Dubois and, and Marcus Garvey, but we don't hear about the similarities in the fight, right? So most of what we hear his story, we don't know our story, right? The W.E.D. Bois was the only black man in the NAACP when it was founded, right? He's surrounded by all of these crackers so that he can get something done because he believed that you have to work in the system in order to change the system. Right now, he was moving. He was a mover and shaker. He traveling across the world trying to figure out how we can create a government of our own. You understand me? But history is not told in a manner that we've always been working for self-sufficiency. We've all, he wasn't saying that I want to be a Democrat. I want to be a Republican. Democrats would have strung him up and killed him back in the day. Right. He was saying that how can we get our own self-government and how can we align with other countries that could protect our rights. Our interests, so, our quote-unquote rights, if all these companies, if all of these companies or countries or corporations, you know what I'm saying, you can privatize your security out to another quote-unquote corporation. Facts. Like, there's, there's all kind of ways to get around this, but the common denominator in all of these stories is security. You feel me? What should be our personal interests from day one, if the if the women are feeling unsecure, if the women are feeling like, oh, they're killing our babies in the street, you know what I'm saying? If the men feel unprotected by the quote-unquote police, then the conversation should strictly be about security, right? It should be about securing our quote-unquote right to build out this concept of a nation, right? So it's like, you know, we we, we got work to do, but it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful task of in front of us and I just want to speak to the uh, the arrogance of the Democrat Party real quick so they was on TV and they was um, going through you know exit polls and everything and the lady was like we got to talk about the elephant in the room and they was like well what's that they said black men did not do their job they, they did not make good on the end of their bargain <laughs> what bargain who the fuck made a deal with us ain't nobody brought me I know I ain't get no paperwork Proportions and they're voting for Biden and Harris. They say, but in Miami, of all places, Dade County, they say, look, melanated men are not showing up as they expected them supposed. So your votes are already counted statistically, right? You're already allocated for statistically. They're like, we already got this in the back. Where are these niggas at? Right? That's how they are polling at these polls. Right. Engaging it, of course, on um the exit polls from four years ago, and then they're utilizing Obama as a barometer, saying shit. They not coming out like they came out for Obama. That was so one thing. Like, what you talking about? Like, but did anybody even go and talk to them? <laughs> Hell no. Nah. They, they 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 yell at us, bro. Even make it to Miami. And then the lady was like, "Well, you know, a problem. You know, a situation. The issue might be that you know the majority of the men in that particular county." Right? We're incarcerated under that crime bill. Mm. Shit, anybody been to Miami overlocking all of that? Them niggas was going down. Right. So, a community that's so impacted by imprisonment, right? Such as that particular community, Joe Biden don't even got the verbiage. He don't even got the game on the spin to say, look, I'm even going to go down there and tell him my story. He just skipped it all together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
They skipped it all together, and then Trump went down there and propagandized the fact that, you know, they're dealing with an aspect of socialism, and he appealed to the Hispanics, the Venezuelans, and the Cubans. Right. Hey, y'all do me a favor. Send this out to 10 people real quick, man. Send this out to 10 people. I mean, they lost Florida because they lost Dave. So, another thing, right? Um, And I can't wait to see the statistics, but some early numbers came in that out of all registered male voters, Donald Trump only had a 19% um, favorable rating, right, with black males. And we were the lowest out of all male registered voters. Even the, we talked about it earlier, because I always say that the gay white man and the white woman are the greatest covert agents of white supremacy. And, and it continues to remain true. And to me, my eyes are so open, right? All three of them. It's easy to see. It's, 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 it's so obvious, right? You always have to be careful when the enemy sends people whispering in your ear to act nice. Nobody, the smiling wolf is the worst one, right? Because the wolf that shows his teeth, it allows you to get prepared for war, right? Now your guards is up, but the smiling wolf, he might be wagging his tail. He gonna rock you to sleep. So I'd rather the wolf that shows his teeth because he keeps my instincts high, keeps me ready. I have a greater survival chance when I'm seeing that wolf who's acting like he's going to attack rather than when I'm seeing that wolf acting like he want to be petted, want to be my friend. So when we look at what's happening today, we have these wolves in sheep's clothing that get close to us. They talk to us and say, hey, we're here for your rights. You've been mistreated this entire time. They're utilizing trauma that their ancestors created to separate us, black man and black woman, right, from creating families together so we can't create the institutions and empower ourselves. Because economically and politically, nothing matters unless that black man and that black woman are together. If anybody has an issue or a problem with that statement, I do not have to know you whatsoever. I am 100% completely comfortable without speaking to you a day in my life. We do not have to debate. We do not have to have a conversation. We do not have to come to a point of any type of interface whatsoever. You can just go to a separate place in state and territory, enjoy your ideologies, your beliefs, whatever you feel comfortable with, and move on forward in a way from me in a way that I think this will always make me comfortable knowing that I'm fighting for our future. So that anybody that is against the black family is 100% a white supremacist because that is the foundation of white supremacy is the destruction of the black family because of their recessive nature. So when I'm thinking about what we need to do and you talked about land, land, like we have to first Stop allowing them to feed us. We have to first, and that goes into many ways, right? I love the quote by Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Why do we love the devil? Because he gives us nothing. Why do we love the Democrats? They give us nothing, (laughs) right? But they say, well, why do you fear now that you're a big man? Because he taught us how to eat the wrong foods. And when we're talking about foods, we're talking about being fed on multiple levels, whether it's the physical food, because as long as we depending on our enemy, we can never be independent of our enemy. As long as we allow him to feed us. Then we're talking about the media. He feeds our minds, tells us our reality, gives us perspective 
right? We go to his school for education. He indoctrinates us with his story, and we never learn our story. We have to go on social media and YouTube and read books to figure out some sort of connection to us, right? And so we even looked to him for security when he never created a force to secure us, right? Only to enforce codes, right, and, 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 and laws against those who were trying to destroy, mess with property, get out, get out of bounds, you understand me, and think that they're not under the jurisdiction of this corporation. So the moment that we stop allowing them to feed us, guess what? Oh, man, we ready now. Now I can say, look, young black man, this is the reason I'm telling you that the voting system doesn't matter. Why? Because, well, the reason that you're voting is because these people are supposed to do something that goes with your interest, right? But what if I told you that I'm going to help you get skills? You don't, need, you don't need that degree. I'll teach you how to make money, right? I teach you marketing and sales, two of the greatest skills that you can develop during this time. I was talking to my bro Spectacular. It's like, you're going to need that right now. You're talking about skill sets. We still have artificial intelligence, the one and the nine, the A, numerical value one, the I, numerical value uh, nine. You understand me? We still got the, va the, the, the vaccine that's supposed to be disrupting our DNA. We know that DNA, numerical value, come down to that 19. So we still got a lot of 19 keys that we got to deal with. And the question becomes is this. Is Joe Biden, what is his stance on vaccines? What is his stand on the, on the economic shutdown, right? What is his stance on anything? I don't know. Anything. Right? So they don't know. we get in, we, 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 we wrote a, a blank check. We got, we got written a blank check from an account that's closed. You understand me? And, and, and <laughs> that means that we ain't getting nothing. But it sounded good. It was, it was a good gesture. You understand me? So like America now has... To decide, all right, well, can we create our own government, all right? Um, going in and out. Can you hear me now? Black America has to decide, can we create our own government, right? Um, and that goes towards the development of currencies. When it comes to the development of business structure, are we ready? Number one, this is something that I want all somebody on here to think about. You need to start your own church and religious institution, right? Um, hopefully we get some good, you know, I'm in Miami right now, so the weather acting a little funny. But number one, we should be thinking about creating our own religious institutions. You know, they tax exempt, right? We need to go to the churches and get to negotiations to say, wait a minute, aren't y'all some of the best ways for us to funnel our money, right? Can't y'all build things and be tax exempt? Can't we utilize the structure um, that's going on right now in order for us to build? Like, we can go to these churches. We can, we can utilize them, but we have to start creating strategies around it. Can't we start taking these young black men that are on the street, that aren't doing much when it comes to um, their lives and that may be on their way to prison? Can we say, look, bro, let me teach you. Uh, I'm going to fix your credit up one time, all right? Now, at the same time, before I fix your credit up and everything, we'll come to an agreement. You got to learn this particular skill set. You got to learn this particular education. You got to learn how to write a business plan, right? Now, I'm not asking you to go to school and get into debt. What I'm going to do, actually, you understand me? We're going to fix your credit up. We're going to get you funded, right? Maybe maybe somebody takes some money off top for teaching a young child, right? The young boy or brother, whatever it is. And then what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, we're going to give you this skill set and give you this business plan. And now we have a, that's an opportunity we just provided for you. Right. Because every time you see a young brother in the street, that's a credit number. Right. 
that's that's a bank that's 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 money right when when you see them at the same time you also see that's a life insurance policy every young brother need a life insurance policy so regardless families are benefiting even when we're killing each other you understand me and i say benefiting unfortunately because we keep doing it right but i would think that a lot of these young brothers some of them doing it to feed their family you understand me so can somebody fund help fund these life insurance policies and say look bro y'all can do what y'all want to do right nobody's going to force you i'm going to try to assist you i'm going to try to give you this education this knowledge these skill set these opportunities so how about we help put you in a position where you can win ain't you just trying to feed your family right and so even the ones that maybe not trying to feed their family and they got issues with the ops they still don't want to leave their family penniless with nothing so we say, bro, let's put some life insurance policy on you. That's going to change the game because now it ain't just black lives matter. It's black lives have value, right? And so when we look at that, hold on, let me get this sister out. She's bizarre real time. She keep asking questions. When, when we look at that, we have strategies that we can implement. There's two ways to pass down wealth for sure, right? So then what we need to do, we need to start forcing people. If there was reparations that was going to be passed down, I would have to put uh, 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 amendments on that to make sure that certain things had to happen first, right? Like, yes, we have a trust set up for you, but these are the things you must learn first. If you don't know the wealth standards, if, if we have to understand how do we build trust and what type of trust that we need to have. How do we start doing estate planning? How do we make sure that each black person have life insurance, right? How do we make sure that each black person has a diversified portfolio that is also hedged in the market? Right. How do we make sure that each person has a value spending plan to where they know how to set up their bank accounts towards wealth, how to take a 5 percent of their money or 20 percent of their money on every dollar that they get and store it in some capacity? We have to create different standards and rights of passage so that we could create the institutions that allow us to govern ourselves. is once again tangibility somebody said in the comments that this conversation is not helping black people in any way and i'm like it is because that's why they hear what's being laid out yeah what's being laid out to you is an active plan of how to bring valuation to the demonstration you know what i'm saying like you have to be able to create value you know what i'm saying and once this collectivized value is created then everything else is going to be put into play. You know, life insurance is paramount. You know what I mean? Having access to some level of an economic engine, having a skill is paramount. These are things that are going to be needed. And because these conversations were not had leading up to this particular point in time, the, the fact that we are past November 3rd, we can speak. Now, if my political interests were aligned with any candidate, I would say that I would have to vote with Kanye West because the majority of things that we're talking about right now, he had actual plans and at least talking points around it. I can't say that he had an established policy, you know, where we can go and read like it was contract for black America. You dig what I'm saying? But he did have, uh, you know, these particular um, talking points. This is where his alignment, he was talking about a religious organization. Yeah, yeah. About growing his own food. He was speaking about creating uh, academies where they would be able to teach uh, skill sets. He was speaking about being competitive, you know, competing for industry. Why are we allowing these people to just 
you know what I mean? Even utilizing the whole Made in America slogan. Like, let's compete. Let's roll our sleeves up and get to work. You feel me? So we can have something to stand on to say, we did that. That's on us. So Kanye, you know, because I didn't hear nobody else's plan other than other than the platinum plan. So, you know. Because <laughs> 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 uh, the sun slip in, the hood going to be, you know, niggas going to be lining up. Photoshopping their uh, voting receipts like, nah, son, I was part of that night. <laughs> That's part of that nineteen percent that voted for Trump. Nah, yeah, a real talk. Like you know, the next four years or however many years, you know what I mean, should be amazing if people are really, you know, uh, uh, if they get this idea about collectively moving with the same interests. You know what I'm saying? Because the tools are there, and I just want to end on this point. If the leaders in this community had the support from the community that Trump has from his supporters and his quote unquote followers, imagine how far we would motherfucking be. Fact. You understand? Because you're looking at people who really support that man, regardless of what the hell else he did in them three and a half leading up to four years. They funks with him because he is securing their personal interests. And their personal interest is dealing with some sort of wealth building for their family. See, these are people who already have momentum. They're not waiting for somebody to shoot the gun and say go. Right? It seems like that's what melanated people are looking for with Biden. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Biden and Kamala are going to come in and they're going to, you know, point the way and show us how to live our lives and, you know, get to some bags. It's like white people are already doing this for their family they did not abandon their ideals of quote unquote why they're here and what they're here for we haven't even figured it out yet what you here for you a citizen what does that mean to you what are you looking to get out of this experiment that you are contracted to because you have every right You, you can say shit this is what I want out of this experiment I'm giving you this much sweat equity I'm giving you this much of my life force I want this out of that Facts. Okay, well, shit, here's the plan on how to get that. It's like melanated people are still stirring. You know what I mean? They, the black man and black woman got their backs turned on one another. They haven't even turned around yet to look at each other collectively to say, oh, this is what we want as a family. White folks is looking in one another's eyes and saying, look, let's vote smart because, you know, he's still making it these next four years where 40 years from now, little Bobby is going to have something to fall back on. Right? Facts. And, and that's the meaning of their leadership, right? They identify with the ideology of leadership. It's not so much the person, even though Trump personifies the ideals that they identify with. So they're like, we're going to support it, even if we got to do it in private. Because I think I heard you say this. You know, when you allow somebody to vote in private, they can tell you what they want in public, right? Voting is a personal, private exercise right you and your consciousness <laughs> and they could come out them voting polls and tell the exit poll people whatever they want them people is keeping it close to their heart they're voting with their hearts you know what i'm saying our people voting out of fear because they don't know what to do to co- confront quote-unquote white supremacy and the shit is making them feel insecure and they think that if they out donald trump that they're getting rid of white supremacy nigga no <laughs> 
And j- just think about this. Earlier within a year, the huh? earlier within a year, um, with George Floyd death, George Floyd did did more to make a transition and change and raise politics in America than any other president. Right? We've seen an outpour. We've seen things historically that we never seen from white folks ever. Right? We've seen them denouncing white supremacy. We've seen them crying about it, fighting each other. Forced the conversation. Right. But see, unfortunately, we were happy with just that. We didn't ask for no money. We didn't ask for no equity. We, we had them by the balls for a second. We had them in their tears drowning. And we were supposed to say, all them tears. Where my paper at? We were supposed to utilize every ounce of that moment. And manipulate the shit out of that moment. For our benefit. We always supposed to capitalize. Yeah, we about to turn up. Give us Montana. Look. Think we're going to sign over Montana. But this is where... This is the reason we created the the wealth standard, right? And, and people keep asking, "What's the plan?" My plan for Black America has always been the wealth standard. <laughs> I don't listen. There are those who tap in, and there are those who don't. There's the Black standard and the wealth standard. They go hand in hand as well. Yes. Still, the Black standard speaks to ethics, to a code, to standards. What does Black excellence look like? Because it's a fucking hashtag. But in all reality. What does it look like operationally? Hmm? Mm. Mm. So, I mean, we don't pretend like these things have not been produced and presented to the people. You know what I'm saying? The people love the devil because the devil gives them nothing. Facts. Right? So they wanted to focus on the devil so much, but now we passed that. And I'm like, are people willing to give you know, the quote-unquote thought leadership in the community, an opportunity and a chance? Are they willing to get behind these ideals the way the white folks are getting behind Trump? We're we, we not ready for that, right? Um, not everybody. There's a, a small percentage... It ain't gonna come from Joe. It ain't gonna come from Cory Booker. It ain't gonna come from Kamala Harris. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna come from a political party. It's gonna come from amongst you. It's gonna come from your people. Facts. And, and and some of us already, right? Some of us are saying, you know what, Keith, I, I like the plan. They saying, you know what, Blue, I like the plan. Um, and, and we basically got to look at every aspect. If we look at the plan for Black America, we look at the Platinum Plan, a contract with Black America. Um, what 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 I liked about Biden's plan was that he listed all of the problems that Black America had, right? He didn't really list solutions on how he was going to solve them, but he basically told us what he already knew. Like, hey, these are all your problems, um, and, and, and I'm letting y'all know I know about these, and I might do something about it. That's what his plan felt to me. You understand me? He wrote us that blank check from a closed account, and we was happy with the gesture. But then I looked at it to say, damn, I like how they listed all our problems. Well, let me figure out how we can implement all of the solutions, right? He talked about, hold on, they saying they can't hear me. Why they, why they playing with God like that? We back in. We back in the game. Y'all press a one if y'all can hear me now. Don't worry. This all is recorded. So this definitely will be on my podcast. Press a one if y'all can hear me. I want to make sure that, you know what I mean, every word is coming in clear. 
Are they saying they can't hear God? Okay, wait a minute. They saying it's clear now. We tap, we tap back in. We tap back in. So what I was saying, right? Um, and during this time, and this is what y'all really need to do. I want you to go look out and see all of the different things that's being passed right now. Whether it's the, I know Ohio um, just decriminalized all drugs. Um, Oregon. Oregon. Oregon decriminalized all drugs. Crazy, right? Like, they, they just said, look, we tied. You understand me? Let's we just tied. decriminalize I mean, all. But Oregon, and, you know, it's like an open-air meth market. You know what I'm saying? They just got zombies walking all around. So, you know, once again, they voted in their, in their interests because it has a, a, a strain, I guess, on the health industry of that particular state. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, and, 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 and I'm glad they did that. Because the criminalization of addiction makes no sense. But but to that point, though, right? So I, I want people to literally go look at... Because these are where the opportunities are going to exist, right? You're talking about changes in the market, right? You're talking about really vast changes under new legislation, new bills being passed, uh, new laws and things of that nature. That's where the new industries are going to pop out, right? And so a lot of people are preparing themselves and saying, okay, now it's full steam operation. So when I look at the decriminalization of weed and decriminalization of drugs and things of that nature, that's going to make the market boom. Number one, Ohio is about to be crackhead meth central, right? Like that's the zone <laughs> where you, if you want to go do something. But beyond that, also we looking at California path, what Prop Twenty Four, um, where they don't Prop was it Twenty? Where they um, it's, it's it's in the twenties. It's twenty. It's in the twenties, brother. Uh, <laughs> prop 24 man he uh, prop 24 man let me let me bring it back which one is that um this is for data privacy right for all users and of course you know i invested into streamlytics uh, with my good sister um and we we did a live earlier and we had the petition against that earlier within a year and benton, what's her name? um yes angela benton Angela Benton. Um, and, and that's important because when we start looking at all of these laws that's being passed and everything that's happening while you're waiting on the next president, all the opportunities are being presented. I mean, look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is up at a year's high at $14,000 right now, right? And so when we're looking at all of the opportunities that's being missed right under our nose because we're focusing on the Trojan horse, we're focusing on the wrong thing. Right. When really we're supposed to be taking our notes, we're supposed to be studying the new construction of reality, saying that this is how I'm going to pivot and this is how I'm going to situate myself in this new world. Right. And so what did I say at the beginning of this uh, pandemic? What did I call it? The new America. Right. Mobilization, automation, digitization. Let's juxtapose this real quick, though. Let's juxtapose this. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Right. Crime bill. And, you know, the, 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 the cop, Kamala the cop, you know, with, with her prosecutor, prosecutorial, you know, propensity to lock up melanated men. Mm. Right? And then Joe Button come with the crime bill. I mean, <laughs> crime don't put bill. that on Joe Button, man. Oregon, the 33rd state, which is the whitest state in the union. Because he, this Oregon was literally created to be a white utopia. They have mm. laws on the book. They banned melanated people from living there. Right? Portland has a deep history. Shout out to Portland. Mm -hmm. I ain't say nothing. 
breaking up. Nah, go ahead. You good, God. Back? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, so Oregon, the whitest state in the union, goes and decriminalizes the entire cabinet of drugs in the same presidency or during the same presidency with Joe Biden, the author of the crime bill, is running to get, re get running to get elected, but feels no need or necessity to come to melanated people and apologize for that crime bill. He says it every now and then in passing. You know what I'm saying? But has not made no open declaration to undo it in any way or go and rescind those sentences or do anything for redress. But they just passed a whole proposition or a whole law that allows the whitest state in the union for their citizenship to get stoned because they can't get it under control. When I go mm. to the gas stations out there, they got meth heads pumping gas. I mean, they just, it's like, it's like the walking dead out there. Yeah. You feel me? So they're looking to get um, allocated all sorts of Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.